Let's start the show by talking about my sponsor, Paloma Verde, and their new website, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out for all of your CBD needs. They've got the gummies, tinctures, the salves. So if you're needing anything to maybe chill you out, something to help you get mellowed out, something for your joint pain and stiffness, go over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and give them a check out. Carlos and Vanessa are awesome people. They run a great company. And if you enter the promo code FACTS at checkout, you'll get 25% off your order. Plus, any order over $75, you get free shipping. So, I don't know what you're waiting for. Head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check them out. Let's start the show. Tonight, I am joined by my good, good buddy Eric, and also for the first time on the show, Caleb Brown. Hey. And uh, Sam Tweed was going to join us, but Sam is sitting at a bus station in Jackson, Mississippi, trying to not get stabbed or shot. So he has slightly more pressing matters on his on his hands than participating in a live stream. And uh, for anybody who's spent time in Jackson, Mississippi, you know that we are a hundred percent serious on that. This is not a joke. Sam, Sam actually sent me a text and said he heard eight gunshots, so sorry, I don't think it's a good idea to get on a stream. I probably need to keep an eye on things here. Just just eight? That, that seems like light for Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, right? I mean, like, Jackson, Jackson is like the uh, Chicago of the South. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here, I thought that distinction belonged to New Orleans. <laughs> you know... <laughs> At least New Orleans has like the good parts of town. I, I, I don't know that that exists in Jackson. Uh, you know, you can go, you can go like north to uh, some of the like suburbs of Jackson, and and they're pretty all right. But as soon as you get into actual like, uh, you know, metropolitan Jackson, it is just. <laughs> and I, I loved living in Mississippi. Like if. If the opportunity ever comes back up, I will probably move back somewhere into that area, but just not, not Jackson. Uh, like. <laughs> yes, come back to the Gomez. <laughs> so anyway, let's uh, let's kick it off with some introductions, and then we'll uh, we'll dump we'll jump right into the heart of tonight's episode. Who wants to go first? <laughs> you go first. Eric's been on before. So. Okay. Uh, my name is Caleb. Uh, I have a podcast, uh, Face, Liberty, and Praxis. I run the Austriotomism YouTube page slash blog slash Twitter account. Um, Catholic, former libertarian, kind of more NRX monarchist type guy nowadays. Um, yeah, looking forward to the conversation. 
Eric, give your plugs one, or your intro real quick since <laughs> most people should be familiar with you, but we'll get it anyway. Should be familiar, but yet they aren't. Uh, yes, I am Eric. I am the host of the Rebel with the Cause podcast. Uh, I have a bunch of conversations with really interesting people. They could be liberty related, might not be. So it's a it's kind of like a grab bag of who's who. Uh, Justin's been on before a couple times. His cat's been on his lap before in in the show. So, well, speaking and of d- speaking of, and I decided to broadcast related. live from an '80s uh, living room somewhere in Decatur, Georgia. So we'll we'll, we'll figure it out. <laughs> That's nice. Well, speaking of could be liberty related or not, tonight's topic is probably not but at the same time it it could be um (laughs) we are going to discuss was jesus a leftist so i hear this argument semi-regularly and that that jesus was more left-wing than not or that jesus wasn't a christian conservative which i don't disagree with them on that uh on that but it's anybody who says that immediately goes to Jesus wasn't some Christian conservative. He was actually a socialist. It's like, okay, wow. Like, yeah. you you were so close to being right there for like half a second, and then you <laughs> jumped off the deep end of the pool and decided to drown yourself in stupidity. Um, so, so we're going to take on the idea of was Jesus a leftist, or was Jesus a right winger, or where did Jesus fall? And and then we're probably also going to to talk a little bit about where has this idea come from? Because I, I really feel like this whole Jesus was a socialist idea has kind of been born out of what has become modern American Christianity, which is incredibly soft and just it's um, it's very like kumbaya dumb bullshit instead of actually being what Christianity was founded on and based around and what the actual teaching and preaching of Jesus was about. And so as Caleb mentioned, he's a Catholic. I am a uh, devout Protestant. Uh, No particular denomination. I spent some time as a Baptist, a Methodist, Presbyterian, uh, and then non-denominational as well. I like to get a little bit of all the flavors. And then Eric, of course, is our uh, our resident non-religious person, because I, I specifically, when Eric mentioned that he's non-religious, which I knew that, but it wasn't, that's not a uh, defined characteristic of, of who Eric is. And at least as far as I'm concerned, whenever Eric did mention that he was, uh, you know, non-religious is like that you're the perfect person to have because you can bring a, you can bring a different perspective on this because you, you do know the story of the Bible and, and, you know, who Jesus, the historical figure, Jesus, the scriptural figure, like you, you can bring a perspective on it that's uh, a little bit different and they can maybe push against us in some ways. But I don't know how much pushback there's going to be because um, I think we're all going to fall on the side of Jesus definitely wasn't a socialist, but he also wasn't a Christian conservative. He was probably something um, separate from all of that. So let's Let's talk about this little article that I had found first. It's, uh, let's see, get this to pull up. Fiddlehead Focus. I'm not sure, I'm not sure how I actually stumbled upon this. Just some dumb luck, I guess. Uh, <laughs> Jesus was a liberal Democrat and a socialist. So, like, we can read through the first few paragraphs of this, and it goes into explaining, um, uh, 
why it is that Jesus is a liberal Democrat and a socialist. Uh, what were y'all's initial uh, impressions from, from looking at this? They either don't know anything about Jesus or they pick like three verses and try to squeeze them into a uh, political frame that exists today and didn't exist back then. Yeah, I would also say that this uh, author doesn't even know what socialism is, considering that uh, socialism is not sharing. Uh, it's not, uh, you know, redistributing wealth or anything else. It's uh, quite simply, it's the state ownership over the means of production. That's... Yeah, if if, we're, if, it's, if they're going to define left wing as just charity, then yeah, you probably left this. But it really matters like how you define left and right for this entire conversation. Yeah. Right, like that's that's that's. It says by all defining definitions of liberal and socialist, Jesus was most definitely both of them. He was a rebel and a fighter for the poor, bullied and the displaced of his time. Okay, but that's not what you can disprove his entire article by just saying he was the king of kings. Boom, he's not a socialist. <laughs> yeah, and who was doing the bullying? I believe it was the state, both by the Romans and the Pharisees. So that's like that's isn't that like really the the heart of it is every time they try to say that Jesus was a socialist or or a liberal or something like that, <laughs> the very first thing that you can do is look at the fact that socialists and liberals rely on pushing the state to force whatever this you know good thing is on people, and Jesus actively went out and like he literally flipped tables and went against that like that. Jesus went after the people who were in those authority positions. Like, if you wanted to make a a uh, maybe a political stance type of positioning for Jesus, uh, maybe anarchists would be slightly better. But even with that, that's not entirely right because Jesus did subscribe to an authority, just not that the state was the authority. Well. I really think this hinges on how we define right and left. Like, if we define right and left as a, you know, whatever the modern political frame is, then pardon me, if we if we actually get a good definition of right and left at the front, we can then define different accents based on the intentionality behind the accent and the framework of left versus right. And so, we, I think that's kind of important to do that before we go forward. Right. So let's yeah, let's 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 tackle that right off the bat. Like. When we talk about a leftist or a socialist, like definitions are important. This is something that I've mentioned previously on on different shows because something that in modern society has gotten lost is the actual definition of things. Like people use the word Nazi for anybody that is against whatever they think. People use the word racist for anybody that's against whatever it is they think. Like all of these terms have lost their meaning. And so at the same time, socialism and leftism have uh have really lost their meaning so let's kind of what do y'all think would be a a good definitional way to describe um modern leftism and also like socialism as a whole at least in the way that they're uh trying to define it for these articles yeah i I think uh a lot of people today when they say socialism or you know liberal democracy they get this idea that state charity is the same as a private charity uh they have this idea that oh well i'm just giving all this stuff over to the state and they're going to redistribute that for me so i don't have to go thinking about it it's just done automatically 
And so I think that's where the disconnect comes from. Yeah. So how, how I would define um, left and right is pro-natural hierarchies or order, and left as being a, um, a space equality or egalitarianism. And you could say that like, Jesus was, you know, part of heavenly order. He was, he was God. He can obviously the um, part of the natural order. He submitted the natural authority, submitted to God. You could say he was pro natural order, being that God is at the top of the hierarchy. So you can make an easy argument for why he is more of a, if anything, he is right wing based on the idea of it being not being for egalitarianism and for being a um, proponent of like, a natural order, natural hierarchy system, and being pro order. Order also ropes into the idea of natural hierarchies. Well, that's like so. So Trey brings up an, a good point on that topic. Like, um, the the left will take this render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's, as in he's saying that you you should submit to authority. Uh, that's not exactly what he was saying. Uh, that's that's actually kind of a misconstruction of of what was intended by that that language it was you know give caesar what's caesar's but you also give god what's god's and and that's what's come that's what comes first and you're you're doing uh you're rendering unto caesar so that you know you're to uh uh what's to not end up in jail maybe would be yeah. that like you i, you do I what, argue that versus tactical pacifism as in you your job isn't to Wage war on the state. Your job is to be a good Christian. So tactical pacifism: pay what you need to pay to not be thrown in jail, but don't go along with evil unnecessarily. Tactical pacifism. Yeah, exactly. And and, and also no, at the no. time, you got to remember that Caesar had his face on all of the money. So when he's saying this, he's actually holding up one of the Roman coins and saying, "Well, if this is Caesar's, you know, give it back to Caesar." But you know, but yours is the kingdom of heaven. So, it, yeah. Do this so that see the the Praetorian Guard isn't coming to club you in the face, you know. Uh, try to stay out of trouble as much as possible because you're going to do more uh, for the kingdom of heaven outside of jail than you are going to do on the inside of jail. Yeah. So that kind of brings us around to, um, I'm sure y'all heard this, like Jesus was a pacifist or something like that, like that. Uh, so like in the instance where Jesus was being arrested in the garden um, and like they cut the guard's ear off and he told him, no, don't do that. Like it, it wasn't that he was submitting to the state so much as he didn't want the, his followers to end up in a bad position. Like you, he, his thing was like you, um, you can't preach the word and teach this message if you are outwardly getting yourself in trouble and getting thrown in jail for uh, doing dumb stuff. Like be, be smart about the way you approach your, your message and, and present yourself in a way that people will actually hear you. If you're, if you're out here running, you know, running off half cock, then, then your message is going to be falling on deaf ears. Like be smart, present yourself in a, in a godly manner. Um, And so as far as that, like the pacifism, thing goes um how was jesus not pacifistic uh there's gun control arguments that are going on right now and they always say jesus was a pacifist well there's there's a very specific scripture that would debunk that uh you want to talk about that a little bit 
Yeah, I mean, as far as like throwing money changers out of the temple, I mean, he whipped them, he turned over their tables, shoot them out. Uh, when it came to exercising demons, you know, he took them out of people and threw them into pigs. <laughs> you know, he was pacifist up to a point, I guess. Well, and there's also the scripture where he sends them out and he tells them, like, if you if you don't have a sword, sell your robe and go buy one. Like, Jesus, Jesus wasn't a he wasn't an anti arming yourself or not. Not so or, uh, he wasn't anti self-defense. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. And there's some like uh, there's a practical application to that, that like whenever the left tries to play Jesus off as a pacifist, you can look at, at that kind of stuff like Jesus actively encouraged his followers to prepare themselves to defend themselves because he knew at the time, like the message that they were going to be spreading wasn't going to be popular. It wasn't going to be something that people wanted to hear. And the authority of the time was going to come after them for saying those things. So in that, in that era, you have to be prepared to defend yourself from those who are going to try to literally kill you just because you're saying things that are unpopular. So like that's the the left tries to sell themselves as the resistance or or whatever when <laughs> they have all of the authority on their side. So so it's easy for them to to try to pretend like Jesus was a leftist or Jesus was a pacifist because they're not actually the ones who are running the risk of being physically attacked for saying things that are unpopular. Yeah. Yeah, and he was uh also trying to teach people that uh, not only all your battles are going to be physical, some of them are going to be spiritual as well. So self-defense on both fronts was paramount to anything. <laughs> good one, Trey. Yeah, uh, so as Trey says, Trey's, Trey's is, for, for those who are listening, put, uh, put on the whole armor of God, part of, of which is the sword, doesn't really sound like someone who wants to never fight. Like you're you're actively arming yourself, and obviously in the scripture of the whole arm of God, it's it presents it in a, um, a, a metaphorical sense. But like the sword itself is you're you are arming yourself to go to battle. You're not, and and there is literally scripture where he tells his disciples to literally arm arm themselves. So so let's let's dig into one of the parts of this article um, that I thought was kind of I, I don't necessarily think that interesting is the right word but it's uh, worth critiquing yes worth critiquing is where he talks about the um, where did it go all of the so called Christian precepts um, he talks about uh, charity and welfare Medicare, like stuff like that, like the uh, the handout services that that the conservative Christian right always gets really mad about, and he tries to make this like comparison that that Jesus was all about uh, handouts. Jesus was all about like uh, community. It's not, and not he doesn't even say it as com- as community. It's like Jesus was all about. Uh, redistribution of wealth and redistribution of all of this stuff like uh it 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 makes it makes jesus out to be like this robin hood like character and even that even robin hood is uh perverted by the left like the robin hood character is not this 
um, steal. He's not stealing from these big corporate entities to give money back to poor people. He's he's literally taking the taxes that the government stole from the people and giving the money back to the people. Like Robin Hood is another one of these characters that's completely misconstrued by the left. Uh, it it seems it seems like the author of this article is defining left as nice and right as mean. Like that yeah. just seems how he's defining. Oh, Jesus was nice to people, therefore he must have been a leftist. And it's just what I said earlier about like the intent. Like if you just say charity is left wing, but it's like why is it charity left wing? What is it? What is it? Why is it left uh, given it charity? Well, it's for the purpose of egalitarian. They want to make everything equal. That's why it gets into the point. Like it's not out of kindness to have their own ideology of making everybody equal. And so it's never really out of kindness of the heart, so for the sake of doing goodness, it's purely for the um, philosophical motives of egalitarianism. All right, so here's, I found the line, all of the so-called Christian precepts outlined above and what an average Christian should do or should so identify with is no longer being practiced by this Christian sect. In fact, it is uh, all of its negatives. Screw the poor, let the sick suffer, let the naked work for their clothing, let the hungry starve, Abuse the underdog, put children in cages, accumulate a hoard of wealth, reject oh, immigrants. Oh, children in cages. Uh huh. Nothing riles the average Christian believer more than welfare. Mention so and so down the street who is on welfare, and the typical modern supposed Christian goes ballistic. By this new, er, uh, this new proposal by so-called Christian Republicans and Trump to take 3.2 million citizens off food stamps sends them all into a tizzy. Finally, they rail. Let these lazy bastards work for their food and clothing. <laughs> I, li- I like how he just like paints everybody with a broad brush on that one. It's like he's talked to every single Christian conservative in the United States, much less the world. And he knows exactly I, how they think. I really like how he like he throws out Christianity as being almost like anti-poor, anti-science, anti-all of this stuff. Like I know, coming from a small, you know, small southern town, the the churches and the like, the Christian nonprofit organizations were the ones who were running the food banks. They were the ones who were running the the clothing stores that that literally yeah. were like giving clothes to poor people. That were literally giving food to poor people. Like they're all of them run on zero profit. Like it's it's all reliant on donation. It's all relying on volunteers. It, like everything about it is exclusively built around the message of and the idea of serve your community, help those who are the most in need, help people who are poor, who are starving, who are you know don't have clothes. They give these people what they need to succeed and to you know to start to make the right take the right steps in in life to to get things back on track and. Every single one of those organizations in those small towns are almost exclusively like conservative Christian, you know, right wingers. They're they're not yeah they're not socialists. They're not Democrats. They they believe in helping the poor. They just don't think that the the correct vehicle for doing that is the state and. Yeah, and if you ever talk to those uh, people about what their biggest uh, stumbling blocks are or what could be better, they all say, well, if the if the state would just allow us to do this and this, you know, <laughs> and they may only be talking about like the state of Louisiana or the state of Texas or something, but it's it's pretty, pretty fascinating when you start talking to them. And it's like, yeah, you know, we, we got to have like this permit to have this outdoor kitchen 
Otherwise, they won't let us feed the poor. And he's just like, oh, so the state's ruining it. I got you. <laughs> so remember a few years ago where there was like all this criticism of why aren't the why why aren't the churches helping like homeless people and stuff? And then and then at the same time, you had an article about a church that was getting fined by the state for letting homeless people sleep inside the church so they didn't have to sleep outside like because right. they didn't have the right permitting to 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 be like housing people as long like, as the yeah. government has a problem they can point to you for why they need more funding and why they need more votes they're never going to let you fix the problem yourself right like, you, like it's why why let why let why let, why let private people fix something when you could point to say this is why we need to increase funding why is it both for me i'll fix the homeless problem why simultaneously being the guy who punishes people who actually trying to fix the homeless problem it's just an example of the state always finding a topic that's un- either unsolvable or they make it unsolvable so they can justify it and ever increasing growth to state power. Yeah, I mean, anytime that you talk about uh, people buying up all these little tiny homes and then like sticking them up in a campground and then inviting homeless people to come live in it, they always get shut down. Yeah, it's amazing. Literally every time that these church organizations or private, private not-for-profit organizations try to do something to help poor people, try to do something to help homeless people, try to do something to help those who are undereducated or whatever. Yeah. It always runs into opposition from the state. Like it's, and, and that's maybe that's the best argument for why Jesus was not a leftist was not a socialist is because everything about the left and everything about socialism relies on the state to entirely run and dictate all of that stuff. And Jesus very, very explicitly went out of his way to call the state, uh, well, the state as it was at that time, those who were the authority figures of of the Jewish communities. He went out of his way to call them out for their hypocrisy, for doing for saying that they were doing one thing, but doing something completely different, which sounds exactly like what the actual state is doing right now. They claim to be for poor people. They claim to be for helping people while simultaneously doing absolutely nothing to actually help anybody. Like these are the things that he was directly preaching against. But I want to, I want to draw a distinction real quick between um, a state authority and improper authority and proper authority. Because there is a thing as like a proper authority system that should be followed. It's an improper authority system that shouldn't be followed. And I think Jesus was obviously purely pro proper authority, given the apostles had the authority, given um, God had authority, given he had authority. I think there's a thing as like it was there was legitimate forms of authority that should be listened to if you're a Christian. And so I think he wasn't just anti-state, anti-authority. He was anti-unjust state, unjust authority. Is so it's, a, it's why he was against by the modern institutions at the time because they were unjust, they were corrupt, they were cronyistic. They had all these problems. Yeah. So that's why I'm slow to or hesitant to classify Jesus as an anarchist or or something of that nature, because he was very clearly pro-authority, but it was the, as you say, the correct authority, the proper authority, the authority that was uh, sincere and doing it the right way. The the apostles and and, uh, the gospel in the way that it was intended to be preached and and stuff like that, like not the... uh, the heretical Pharisees and the uh, do as I say, not as I do type of authority and leadership that existed in that time. And, and obviously that exists in modern society. And most modern, modern churches, I would say there's a lot of, a lot of churches now, a lot, a lot of people who claim to have authority that they really shouldn't be, have any business funding a church. 
Right. If the authority is just, then then you follow the authority. And and obviously there are um, we could get into like the semantics of what qualifies as a just authority. But uh, I think you're probably not gonna like my answer on that one being Catholic at all. Well, I mean, I think <laughs> most people probably wouldn't like. I I don't know a hundred percent for Eric, but I would assume he probably aligns similarly to us. Like what qualifies as a just authority? Like there is there is very clear distinction of what is uh, right and wrong, what is moral and immoral, what is just and unjust, and and at the end of the day, like um, it's 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 not rocket science. Like you don't you don't have to to create some like huge mathematic equation to figure out which is which. Like it's uh, that. Well, who was it that had that quote about porn? Like you know what I know when I see it. I won the Supreme Court, so I can't remember his name. Uh, yeah, so and it, it might have been, um, it might have been, shoot, what was the one that was friends with Ruth Bader Ginsburg before he retired? Um, anyway, um, yeah, like you know what it is when you see it, and that's that's how authority is. Like you know what moral, just authority is versus immoral and unjust authority. I mean. Even even Democrats can look at the way that the state handles things and say, that's fucked up. Like, uh, it was Associate Justice uh, Porter Stewart. Oh. What's the guy's name? Okay, so I was going to bug me if I didn't look it up. <laughs> no, thank you. That, uh, as the fact check this podcast, I want to have, I want us to be factually accurate on stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can, you can tell what's, what is just authority and what's not, and and even even the most progressive people can generally tell whether they're willing to admit it or not. Uh, yeah, you know, it's what like it getting is. them to the point of admitting that the state is at fault is sometimes a Herculean task. And we're talking, to the, that, uh, we're talking to the anarcho communist who's like, "We man, I'm a communist. You just want Medicare." Like this, yeah. you put some always like, "Well, we need to stay for." I do just want Medicare. That's this, this person to that point. It, it's. I'm not going to me. This is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I, I have I have always thought that anarcho communism was the uh, the biggest uh, 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 oxymoron like that could possibly exist. Well, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of the um, a lot of the anarchists hyphen whatever it is. They get really really weird about like. Oh, I didn't define a state weirdly, you know? Like, there are some ANCAPs who I think have yeah. a really piss poor definition of the state, where it's like, you, you basically just argue that the market becomes a state, almost. It's like, there's, there's a lot of them who get really weird about how they define things, and this creates a lot of weird contradictions when they redefine the words halfway through. Yeah, I talked to somebody once who called the communist weird capitalist. <laughs> because they, they believe in a market, it's just they, they have a funny way of going about it. <laughs> oh. Okay, that's a weird one. I guess it's not. I guess that's not technically incorrect. It's, I guess like I guess communism is a market. It's just a, a very, very specifically controlled market. Yep, it's not wrong. It's just not right. Uh, okay, so so speaking of the way things are defined and and classified, this kind of brings us to a good. Uh, transitional point because I, I I feel like the reason that we've come upon this Jesus is a socialist, Jesus is a leftist, 
whatever is because of the way uh, the I want I want to be sure to word this correctly. The modern popular American church has become very soft for uh, to generalize it. Um, and that's what has led us to to this as Eric's background, you know, buddy Jesus. Like Jesus right. is everybody's best good friend and he just wants whatever's best for you. And uh, you hear the, well, that's not my Jesus argument. And anytime I, I hear the, well, that's not my Jesus argument, my immediate response is, you're clearly not reading or worshiping the Jesus of the Bible. You've you've created some thing in your head of what you think Jesus is, and Jesus is your best good friend who would never tell you anything bad and who would never be mean to you. And that's not the Jesus that existed in the Bible. And I think that is a direct result of this incredibly squishy, soft, bastardized version of Christianity that exists in America, where it's <laughs> very non-confrontational. It's very uh, non-mean. It's it's like nice all the time. So let's. I want to dig. I want to spend the rest of the show kind of digging into that, like the modern Christian church and the way that it has become so soft and squishy and, and non-confrontational that it's oh. created this idea of Jesus and this idea of Christianity that is incredibly non-scriptural and non-historical. Uh, Going after Joel Osteen. I love this. Yeah, fuck that. <laughs> Every day. Any dog you win, that too, that's great. Um, so I have a theory on, on why that is the case. Um, that when the, mo- the moment this is not, I don't want to, I don't want to get into a whole um, Protestant v. Catholic debate, but I, I will I want to lay out my theory for why I think this is the case. Um, with the result of the Protestant Reformation, regardless of the right or wrongs of all the things and all the topics happened there, the um, ever-growing Reformation that allowed people to basically start their own churches without institution backing them, but any any Joe Blow can you know, buy a building, set up shop, and open up a church, um, has led to a, basically, people who want to gain power can just open up a church and then use people to talk to them and create a movement. And when you see that the uh, average person in America is very, very liberal in the sense of they're in the liberal frame, in the sense that this is a very liberal country, you're going to create people who can realize that and capitalize off that and create a pseudo version of Christianity just to play into the, I guess you could say, the market of the average American and then make it Believable for them, and then not just oh, Jacob's here. He's this in time. I went. I went to get sponsored to them, Jacob. He's just in time. Um, I know my ear. My ears were burning, and I was just like the the, the, Martin, the spirit of Martin Luther and John Calvin came down from high and manifested. I see you mean came body. up. I see you mean came up. I'm 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 like a like a good leftist. I'm writing my 99 theses and posting them out into the Twitter. <laughs> that so was Jacob, we're talking about right? the uh, we're talking about the pussification of the modern American church. <laughs> nice, nice. That's uh, so. As I was saying, that, just in time. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it led, led to people. Anybody can start a search nowadays, and with that effect, people going people people are going to be corrupt. People are going to start search. They didn't have anything to start search. They're going to play into the um, modern mindset of an average American. And when the average American is liberal, they're going to create a narrative or a story or interpret things in a way that plays into the view of the average American. And you're just going to continue to grow and grow and grow until you have this classification of Christianity. That's at least my my theory on that. Yeah, 
no, I uh, listen. As a uh, anyone who follows me knows that I'm like a self-hating Protestant because as, as much as I can't theologically <laughs> buy into Catholicism yet, like the fruits we'll of the tree of Protestantism are just so awful because it's just like listen. As a libertarian, I like the idea of decentralizing a lot of things. Like I think government should be decentralized. I think uh, the economy should be decentralized, right? Like, but the church. I mean, I'm not saying everyone needs to necessarily be part of like, like, you know, have the same pastor and you have like, you know, like, I, I don't like the like the Catholic idea of like the Pope and he's like the head person above everybody necessarily. But the idea that's like, well, we all get our own version of Christianity. That's what Protestant, Protestantism <laughs> turned into. First, it was like, we don't have to be Catholic. And then it was like, well, this I don't have to be Christian. Yeah, now now it's like I don't I don't even need to read the Bible. Like you know, it's just, just you know whatever, man. It's just it, it, it it's it, there's nothing separating um, modern day evangelical Protestantism from like the secular culture. It's basically like sec. It's like Jesus flavored secularism. <laughs> it yep. is, and Jesus, so one of these things Jesus that you've flavored. seen, one of these things that you've seen like happening over the last decade or so is like the uh, the Presbyterian Church, the United the United States Presbyterian Church, really got on board with the uh, pro LGBTQ agenda, and you saw the church like church enrollment just like fall off a cliff. Um, the it is I don't know if it has happened yet, but the uh, the the United States America or, uh, United States Methodist Church is about to have a huge split from the global Methodist Church over the LGBTQ stuff, and and when that happens, um, I, that's, I, that's I, the history I, of Protestantism, though. I mean, Lucifer was in his lifetime. I mean, anyone who's not Catholic and Orthodox is Protestant. I know. I know. Said, that, um, I, I, that's the autistic response you get on Twitter every time you bring that up. Yeah. They're just like, oh, but that's a, it's a Protestant. If they're not Protestant, I, I need to know what they are. Like, I would, I would say Mormons aren't Protestant because they're not even Christian, but um, that's a different conversation. Um, Mormons are the space Christian cult. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but I mean, listen, Lucy's own lifetime, he admitted that, was, he admitted that hey, it's not been a mistake because I've opened the floodgates to everyone before me and everyone were voting. Pandora's box. <laughs> I mean, he really did. He opened it up and anyone can do it now. And that just kind of led to the, I'm going to say, had... the, the market, to, the marketization of Christianity. And what do people yes. want? They want Christianity. They want it's Jesus. Yes. It's commercialized Christianity. It's just like, uh, which is literally what Martin Luther was basically protesting against. He was like, hey, buying you your salvation is dumb. And that's then the like, it was, but okay. That's where that's where we're. That's <laughs> one of the major things he. Yeah, but whatever. I, I, I will yes, because the, that he never because understood the, what it was properly. Because the Catholic Church and the way that the Anglican Church did it is it turned it into this mainstream. Like this is the thing, and you can buy your your you you can the Catholic Church and the Anglican Church became the the state the state sponsored religion, and you could buy your salvation. You could do all of this stuff, and that was fucking wrong and that's the reason that he split off and and said no we don't do that like we have to and then but then it devolved should have, into this. he should have just stayed and fought the good fight to reform like the idea that a reformation was needed i think is true but the reformation should have stayed within the catholic church like we could have had 500 years of reforming and improving the catholic church <coughs> and instead they took 
you know, some critiques that I think were important and correct, but took them outside of that, uh, you know, like uh, outside of like we talk about, you know, right wing, left wing, which is like the thing that the, the episode was framed around. Like in what was Jesus left or right? Like, well, like I, I'm sorry, like you can't read the Bible without seeing that 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 God talks about how you need necessary borders for society to function. And now we can say maybe as libertarians, like we don't like the idea of like, you know, sometimes well, I'm sorry, as, uh, Caleb's not a liber- uh, libertarian. I don't, I don't mean to insult you like that. Those of us who are libertarians and liberty adjacent, you know, maybe, maybe I'll use that. Like but maybe you're still liberty, a liberty adjacent statist or something. I don't know. But, um, that works for me. That works for you. Okay. But uh, it's like we, we, we might sometimes not like the idea of the state being the one to arbitrarily draw those borders. And I think we would agree that, you know, sometimes more decentralized border drawing works. But like you need to draw borders. And if you don't have borders in society, you can't have freedom. And like. So it, that's one of the strongest arguments for Jesus being right wing, I think, in my opinion, is that like Jesus doesn't talk about going through life with no rules and no structure. Like if anything, he, if anything, he like takes the structure of the old Testament and says like, yeah, you know, you think this is hard. Like I'm calling you to, to be even better than this. He's like this, this was just the bare minimum of don't be an evil barbarian. And you're fucking that up. <laughs> He's like, well, that's, I mean, that's, 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 that's like old Testament versus new Testament. Like it, like really the, the definition of, of being like, good in the old testament was just don't be completely fucking horrible in every right. single way and, they still couldn't do it. Yeah, and even yeah. to that extent there was still some allowance for being completely fucking horrible in every single way as long as you were doing it in the you know in the service of god or whatever and so then when you get to the new testament like jesus is really it's not that jesus came in and said you know just this whole live and let live free for all everybody do whatever they want and, i've know, come to say brother against brother and households against each other yeah like <laughs> it wasn't go be happy and and do whatever you want as long as as long as you feel good about it then it's okay he jesus was the complete opposite of that he was like these are the things that you do to serve me and to serve god and to be a good person and if you but, don't do these things the, then you're going to hell and then like, i forget I forget the exact passage, but like, like one time, like the apostles come to Jesus and like, Jesus, like, this is a really hard message, man. Like, you know, it's kind of offending and bumming some people out. And he's just like, whatever. The people that walk away, like they were like, fuck them. Like they were never part of us. And they were just weak pansies that that needed to be expelled anyway. Like, just kind of like, yeah. like he, he does not give a fuck. <laughs> Go, Eric, so, you look like you want to say something. Well, I was just going to say it's like and throughout all of my reading, it was uh, he was pretty much just setting down boundaries. And, you know, for people 2000 years ago, that was a big issue. You know, you had all of these goat herders that made up the outside of a city and then you had city dwellers, which were, you know, the hedonists and everything else because they could they could get away with it. Yeah. And so trying to get people to to say, hey, look, you know, if you're treating this poor person that's living on your city street like crap you know that's how you treat your your brother and your sister so it was like it was a pretty big culture shock for everybody back then yeah i mean i think so actually like caleb and i were messaging messaging each other earlier and i've actually like 
before I came on, kind of changed my mind because before I was going to come you in. Prep for that specifically. You can't say too much yes. now. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, so initially my position was Jesus and, and God more broadly transcends the left-right paradigm. Because I was like, well, God brings order to chaos, but he doesn't destroy chaos. He integrates chaos. But then I was like, wait, that's what right, that's what conservative, like, that's what, that's what rightism is. Like, like, the idea that being right means that you want the, because, like, what chaos more broadly incorporates isn't always bad. Like, chaos, yes, includes things like violence and uh, rule breaking, but it also includes, like, creativity and potentiality. So, we don't want to destroy creativity and potentiality, but what you know, people who are right oriented uh, do with those things is they say, well, we need to incorporate those and integrate those into a superstructure <laughs> yeah. so that those things can be harnessed and utilized correctly. Yeah, so, a, a proper or properly ordered system allows for a certain amount of bending, bending and so, chaos in the system in order to make yeah. it all. If you have pure exactly. order, it's going to snap on you. And that can't be so, ordered. So, like, listen, like your skeleton is a structure. Now, your skeleton's not so rigid that you can't move around, but you can only move around so much within that structure. Or, like, the analogy about a chessboard, like, you almost have a near infinite amount of moves and freedom within the game of chess, but you have to play the game by by the by the specific rules that you're given. Like, meaning, like, the the pawn can only move forward one space, um, or two spaces on the first turn, and one one after that, and the and the the, the, the rooks have to do that weird, you know. Uh, up to across one or across two up one or whatever and the it's like you know all, all, all of that but like so people go like oh that's slavery it's like okay but try playing chess with new rules like well that's not even a, a sentence because <laughs> the minute you abolish rules it's not even chess so like <laughs> so i think yeah, there was the actually day, a uh, a big discussion about this because when you get your pawn all the way to the back row of the other side you can change it to whatever piece you want Right, but no other yeah. in the rules did it say could you not change it into your opponent's queen? <laughs> Do you want to talk about discussions that have been <laughs> around for a couple hundred years just based on that one thing alone? <laughs> right, but yeah. So I think I think in summary, uh, Caleb, you 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 just won by default because like I argued, you know, in in my autistic fashion, I argued myself into the right position before I even got here. Like we know <laughs> that's what being right is about. It's about taking chaos and like I, I think sometimes the like it allows the the people to have the flexibility to fight the chaos when it starts getting out of right control. now like the radical authoritarian right may, might go uh pathological to the point where they actually want to destroy chaos <laughs> instead of integrating it and i think that's yeah. a problem right like you shouldn't be destroying like god if god just like god didn't destroy chaos because if he did like he wouldn't have created anything like you need yeah, but the uniforms to... will look so good on us yeah i know right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about y'all, but I'm, I'm looking out for it. I'm getting ready. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> but, but, um, but hey, listen, the leftists, the leftists will be happy because everyone's equal in the gulag, right? <laughs> no, I'm going to lie. Okay, so that, like, that's, another, that's another bastardization of the modern American church. Is like, it tries to make everybody equal. It tries to make everybody the same. Like, we're all um, judged not. It always they always stop at the judge not part, like, but they don't go yeah. into any of the context of that, or like, or the fact that Jesus was incredibly <laughs> judgmental, that the the church was bound. Go and on sin no was, more. Right, the go and sin no more, like you slut. No, <laughs> well, I mean that's the that, part that was is, the subtext. <laughs> that's the part that the modern American church leaves out is it. It always gets to the 
the squishy feel good parts of it, but it always leaves out the context that is not feel good. The parts like, that say, don't sin, no, go forth and sin no more. Like, go forth, like, call out the people who are doing the wrong thing and tell them to do the right thing. And if they don't do the right thing, then bring a couple more people and go call them out and tell them to do the right thing. And so, if they still won't do it, then bring the entire church and say, look, you're fucking up. You need to do the right thing. And if they yeah. still won't do it, then you cast them out. You don't hate them. You don't like wish for their own good. For, for their, own, their good. own good. You have right. to give you them do. up to that. Kind of like the prodigal son, like, like the father had to let the prodigal son go. And then that gave him the path to come back. But that was the only way that he could actually uh, over, you know, get, get through that rebellion was like, you almost have to give them over to that reprobate mind and they'll either come back or they won't. But you can't force them to, to stay and, and force them to change. Um, it's like the we, helicopter parent society that won't allow children to fail. Like, yeah. Like there's an entire oh, no. generation. We're, we're in a much worse situation. We're in the lawnmower parent yeah. society. When you do that, that's we've got to mow down like all of the obstructions in front of them. Right. So we're, 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 we're in this state that you don't allow children to even have the opportunity to fail. And so they never learn anything. Like, <coughs> not to sound like a bad parent, but like I deliberately set my kids up to fail on stuff. That way that they have to ask questions. They have to, they, they have to address it. They have to like, um, yeah, and as a dad of a 13 year old, the, watching him they, about to fail, and you're gonna like, I gotta choke it back. I can't go and correct this. You know what that hurt. leads to? It leads to like, my kid is so fragile, I can't tell him no, which leads to, well, my son thinks that he should chop his dick off and take hormones because he wants to wear dresses. So I, I, I guess I gotta let him do that. Like, that's <laughs> well, and that's the like, that's the downfall of the modern American church is that it's it has kind of incorporated this lawnmower parent type of, of uh, approach in that the modern American church doesn't allow anyone to experience failure. They don't allow anyone to experience like being told, no, that's wrong. You know what? People like, that's, sometimes... that's, that's objectively anti-Christian. You right. cannot and should not do that. So some people like, like one of the things I hate is people will misquote Jesus and say, uh, well, Jesus loves you just the way you are. And I'm like, d d no. First of all, like, for, think, if you have kids Jesus and you say that. you love your kids just the way they are, that's evil. That is pathological. What you're saying is, I don't want you to grow up. I don't want you to improve. I don't want you to learn. I don't want you to advance. I don't want you to succeed. You're fine just the way you are. That 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 is the spirit of the devouring mother. That that is That is pathological sabotaging of of children to say i love you just the way you are no what jesus says is i love you in the way that i created you to be and i need to work through you through the holy spirit through the church to sanctify you and to develop you into the image that i have for you and jesus loves you um and wants you to come to him as you are jesus doesn't expect you to get to the final product of who you are by yourself. So yes, don't feel like you need to be perfect to come to Jesus. That part is true. But don't feel like that that means that you come to Jesus and you aren't perfect and he just pats you on the head and goes, okay, thanks for coming. 
and just just uh, drink some Kool Aid. You know, we're gonna have communion later. It's Doritos and fruit punch, and you know, just have a good time. Like, no, like it's a grind. It's a battle. Jesus, come as you are, and then like we're we're going to work on that sanctification, and we're going to work on trying to become more holy. I mean, Jesus literally said, "Be perfect, like my Father in heaven is perfect." Like Jesus didn't say, like you know, like oh, just give it your just give it your best. Do your best. You're doing fine. Like, no, like he, he, he pissed a lot of people off. This is the guy that literally said, if your eye causes you to sin, if your hand causes you to sin, <laughs> cut that bitch the fuck out. <laughs> and, and St. Orton took it all the way. <laughs> not a saint. So I, I got to put that not a saint. So that's false. I keep wanting to call him saint because I love Orton, but he's, he's not a saint. He's, a, he's just a third father. One of the few not to make sainthood because he was a little crazy. So that was that. That's an interesting um, one of the things that, and I can't remember if it was um, if it was Matt and, and Adam Patrick talking about it on Kingfield the other day, if it was a different show that I was listening to. But they were talking about like one of the things of Christianity and and of Jesus and the message and everything else is that like there's this understanding that you are not going to be Jesus, like you are not going to achieve that that perfect individual. But oh, yeah. the, the message is supposed to be that. You are striving toward that, and we we acknowledge that we're going to fall short. and And the problem with like the modern, the modern what American would Jesus Christian, do? Like you're right. not Jesus, bitch. <laughs> right. So like the, the problem with this like modern American Christianity is that it's it maybe takes that like way too far. It's like you're never going to be Jesus, so don't even try. Just be a good person like no that's not that's not what jesus that's not what jesus or christianity preached it was you should be always striving to <laughs> attain that level you don't you don't just say okay well there's no way i can ever get there so fuck it i'm just gonna do whatever and and at the end of the day i'll say hey you know what that God, is? i know I, I know i was this horrible miserable cunt and you know it was really terrible and i'm sorry about that Will you forgive me and let me into heaven? Like, no, you're supposed to be actively striving to be. That's the parable of the talents. That's like, that's like the entire lesson of the parable of the talents was like the, you know, the, the first two went out and tried their, you know, like they, they, they worked hard. Right. And then the third one was basically like, you know, like I was afraid to fail. So I just buried it and kept it here. And like, and, and then when they, when that servant gets uh, rebuked, it's not just like, um, Oh, that was lazy or that was dumb. Like he calls him evil, <laughs> which is true. It's like like being unproductive and not even trying. Um, and like it's not like a oh, just try your best. It's like no, like it's almost kind of like a Star Wars. Where it says like do or do not. Like there is no try. Like it's not like if you set out just to try, like oh, I'm just gonna do my best. Like you're you're setting yourself up to to just make a bunch of excuses. Like that's like grace is there for when you fail. But you shouldn't set out with the expectation of like, oh, well, I know I'm going to fail. Like, no, it's like this is the standard that God has given me to live by and I'm going to live by it. And when you fail to live by it, you repent you would, you, 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 and you continue to like to do better. Like, I, I don't like the idea in modern Christianity where it's just kind of like people would act like sin is something that like you live with perpetually and you like you just, you know, you're just going to struggle with sin your entire life and not get any better at it. It's like. That's that's not being set free. Like being set free and what 
repentance means is like you're turning away from that. I'd be like, it's like, how can you stay like imagine like staying in a marriage and being like, sorry, honey, I cheated on you again, but like, I'm sorry. I'll try better tomorrow. And just, you know, see how long you can keep that up. <laughs> if you married men, like, just like keep, keep apologizing. Be like, you know, at some point your wife's probably gonna be like, you know, I don't think you're sorry because you aren't actually changing. Well, and that's kind of the message of the you know, what I keep have, have been going back to, you know, for the last little bit here is like that's the message of the modern American church. It's 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 not that you actually try. It's not that you actually do anything to change. It's not that you actually take steps towards literally any fucking thing whatsoever. It's that you just like have the best of intentions. And and that's like that is so anti-Christian historically. Like that's that's not the founding of the Christian church, which is like so unfortunately we don't have like an orthodox church around here. I've been uh I'll, I've watched stuff and listened to stuff, and and I've been, I've kind of been uh, since COVID started. I've really divorced myself from uh, Protestantism, and as like when our church went like full COVID lockdown type stuff, that really was off putting for me. And then when there were like actually church leaders who were on social media promoting. Hey, you should really get vaccinated. It was like, like that, that really, really rubbed me in the wrong direction. So, um, we, it's been a while since we attended. (coughs) Put your faith in Fauci. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been a while since we've regularly attended an actual church service, but I do a lot of independent research and study and listen to stuff and, and read stuff. And, and orthodoxy is, is really where I have been leaning. Um, just in like my independent studies and stuff, because they actually like they actually hold themselves to a standard that the modern American church yeah. does. Yeah, that's the most attractive thing about orthodoxy that I've seen. Like, I'm very ignorant of orthodoxy still, but as much as I've looked into it, to like, be fair, most orthodox ignorant of orthodoxy as well. Now, oh yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just uh, one well, orthodoxy is so, so esoteric. Orthodoxy is so esoteric. It's just like trying to like understand what it even is is like i see i just, see jason's yeah. in the comment section and i want to say sorry jason but i, I don't think anyone understands your religion <laughs> it's like I, I just don't like i ask a question and the answer leaves me with like more confusion than when i started and if you finally do <laughs> nail on something like well actually you, well, well, act- you're just thinking about it in the western flame so that's why it's wrong it's never an actual answer <laughs> Uh, see, that's why, like, I want there to be like, we- like Western Orthodoxy. I want, I want, I want to, I want to find Western Orthodoxy. Don't if um, you say that's just Catholicism, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm about to say. <laughs> if you want the Eastern flair, go Eastern white man, Byzantine. You get the Eastern white, get the Eastern tradition, beauty, and the truth of Catholicism. It's best of both worlds. Maybe. And this is why I just stick to being a deist. There's a God out there. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's, it's the Catholic one. I won't give you a hint. <laughs> As long as you don't worship Moloch, we're fine. Yeah. uh, No, no Moloch, no Baal, none none of that crap. I say, if y'all got like 15 minutes, we can kind of explore that a little bit because I have have studied some of the Eastern religions. I I enjoy Islam and Buddhism, and and like, I haven't necessarily, like, nothing about my study of them really led me to a point that I was like, oh, that's like better of the. Of the choices, but I I got stuff out of it. I enjoyed my studies of those. The same for um, 
Hinduism and Taoism, like <laughs> I find value in those things, but nothing like really leads me to think that they're uh, more right than say, or more, not more right, more correct than, than say Christianity. But like, you know, to Eric's point, like um, having the, the deist mindset, like there is something, what's the something? I don't know. And, and I can really respect and appreciate that just from having yeah. spent a, a significant amount of time studying other religions outside of Christianity. Is yeah. like, I also come to it as like my little tiny human brain probably doesn't have the capacity to even understand what that thing is. So, you know, like fully understand it, but I don't know. It's like, to me, it's like, if, if, if God is real and God created you with a, uh, a, a thirst to understand the universe and you understand right from wrong, to me, that logically, um, that, that what, what logically follows from that is that God would have created a pathway to understanding him, at least understanding him as well as we can understand him in the current framework that we exist in. Um, which is sort of kind of, I think that's sort of like a, uh, I think that's kind of what uh, Aquinas said, right, right, Caleb? Sort of like, like, like the logical, like, like discovering, right. discovering. I, like, I, I would, I would phrase it as the natural teleology. One of the natural teleologies of man is to seek truth and knowledge. Right. And that ultimate truth resides in God. And therefore, the natural teleology of man is to search for a creator. And therefore, it is part of the natural make of humanity to search for a creator. Right. Um, and, and if you and if like if you acknowledge that. there is a creator, then like it doesn't make sense for there to be a creator who makes himself unknowable. This is the a lot of ACC is a critique of the divine hiddenness problem, as they call it, to where, well, if God wants me to believe in him, why can't I? Why don't I believe in him? You know, like, why don't I see him? Um, it's the problem of divine hiddenness. And it's a very difficult topic to approach because it's pretty logical when you think about it. It's like, well, if God wants me to believe in him, why don't I? <laughs> And it's kind of hard to engage because it's, it's all built into the subjective person, the individual with subjective preference on how they view it, how they view information. So it's hard to. So see, like I would argue in that but, case, like okay, if you if he wants you to believe in him and you don't, but you're you you are willing to acknowledge that you're you're still like curious and you're seeking, like maybe you just haven't gotten there yet. Like, yeah, uh, I would I would agree with that. Like I think so. Like um, as long C.S. as someone Lewis, doesn't give C.S. up, C.S. Lewis kind of talked about like different religions and stuff, and uh, and some in some of his like later writings yeah. and stuff that, that yeah, it all kind of that. it all kind of comes into a just, um, just, just a bit. Yeah, it's like different streams that end up flowing into the same you know river. Um, so you know there are different ways. Like our, our church uh, church group that I was in, the question was posed like if if money was no option or wasn't a, a hindrance and you could just do whatever you wanted, like, what would you do? And, and there was like, most of the answers were like these really dumb generic, like, Oh, I would do this and this like mission work type stuff. It's like, I would travel all over the planet and I would go study in Hindu temples and look, look into Taoism, like where it was founded. I would go study in these big Buddhist temples. I would go to, uh, Israel and spend time with like real, real Jews. I I would look at like orthodoxy and different stuff and, and actually like spend time studying and finding out like what do the people who have spent their lives dedicated to this think and know and believe and why did they come to that and like try to understand all of these different things. Um, because like 
in the modern American church that's kind of discouraged and like everybody acts like I was crazy. Like, why would you want to study all of these other religions when you're when you're a Christian? It's like, well, everybody's trying to figure out what what we're doing here. Like, why well, would I not want to understand? Well, I think there's utility to studying other religions. One, like, just the basic thing would be like if you want to debunk a religion, you kind of need to understand it. Um, but two, I think you can often use other religions to point to how Christianity, like, like if there are like if you're going to maybe presuppose the idea that there is some truth in every religion, then it's like, okay, well, the true things you can find, let's say in Buddhism, you can find better in Christianity, I would argue. So it's like 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 people who didn't have Christianity might have like I think through their their mind and reason uh, might have been able to uh, like logically come to conclusions that are true about like the divine, right, and about reality. But it's like they did that and they came up with answers that are like okay. But I think when you go to the Bible, when you go to the Christian tradition, you find those things. But but they're even better because not only they're explained better, but they're explained within a metaphysical and 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 a a, me- a metaphysical substrate and a narrative that in- that incorporates and integrates them all into one unified structure that makes it more compelling i think um and, and i think there are um yeah so i think that i think uh, you know th- there's nothing wrong i think if you approach it from that way uh the, the slippery slope to avoid being like the you know i, I don't like I don't think C.S. Lewis was making a Unitarian argument, but sometimes people will take him and warp him to make it seem like he is. I know, I think, Caleb, don't people do that with, like, uh, Bishop Barron and, like, some of the Catholic views on, like, the, like, normative and non-normative ways to salvation? Like, there's... A lot of them try to, like, rope him in with uh, uh, David Bentley Hart as a universalist and argue that there's a blend of Catholic universalism, and it's, 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 it's dumb. Um... Like Mr. Barron's like got a lot of heat for saying recently, um, maybe not recently, uh, I hope hell is empty and people were like, How dare you? It's like he hopes hell is empty. Everyone's at hope hell is empty. Yeah. Everyone's at hope for that. I mean, good, it's probably not empty. But God, it's still, God hope. still hope. Yeah, God hope. He says, I, I wish that none would perish, then all would come to repentance. Most of it doesn't mean they will. Against, <laughs> most of the hate you see against Catholics um come like anytime you see a Catholic critique of a Catholic, Catholic, it's just a trad cast, they probably doesn't know what the fuck they're talking about. Like the trad cast are just someone who picked up a Catholic aesthetic and normally kept their Puritan Protestant ethics. And so they're just not worth paying attention to. Yeah, I think I understand Catholicism more than like 80% of Catholics, which is sad. I mean, that could be true. I mean, we don't, we don't really act that much. Just go to church, go to church on Sundays, go to confession at least once a year. We see the Eucharist. That's really it. We don't ask much. Isn't that the problem with modern religion in general? It's no. like, I, th- I think, I think I probably understand Islam better than eighty percent of the Muslims that I know. Uh, like I, I actually, I actually had a guy that worked for me that told me that he needed Ramadan off, and then he gave me the wrong date. And I and I <laughs> and I told him, I told him, don't you mean this day? He was like, oh, how'd you know that? It's like. I actually know your. Yeah, your, he was trying to get one over your, on you. That's that's what happened. It's <laughs> like I actually know your faith. I, I actually know your calendar, and like I, I've studied your religion. It's like if I could make it, if I could make it holidays and get time off from work, I I don't know what religion that requires, but I probably convert. 
You know, <laughs> I think of Judaism. You just make up a holiday. Well, and it's like Ju- Judaism is like probably the prime example. Like how many, how many people who identify as Jews know anything about the yeah, well, Judaism is a weird or... one because it's more of a cultural thing than an actual like religious thing. And so it's always a weird one. But like of all the religions that have like cultural aspects, Judaism and uh, again, a lot of orthodoxy is very culture based. I mean, it's 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 broken into not like set, set locations. It's broken into like identities. It's like uh, you have Greek, you have Western, you have Celtic, you have not Celtic, um, Coptic. That's the one. Coptic orthodoxy. Coptic. Yeah, yeah. They, 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 they the Celtic section. orthodoxy is just you know whiskey drinking and uh, going around pinning your face blue. So listen, <laughs> the the little known fact: the Irish Catholics aren't allowed to receive communion. They have to just take, take potatoes. Like it's a little known fact about Catholicism. They can only do potatoes. But um, gosh, no, it isn't isn't like I don't mind if someone's not educated to like scholar levels of their face. I just don't. It's it, it, my issue is people nowadays would say would not know anything about their face, but still because they're a part of it, sitting in an authority figure on their face because they go to church on Sundays. It's like, okay, so, if you don't know anything, that's fine. Ignorance is not a sin. But pretending to be, but lying is. If you're claiming to be in a story when you know nothing, that's where my problem lies. Right. Well, like more, think, lay, so, more lay Catholics were quiet. I wouldn't have a problem with it. So, so this is an argument that I've heard Caleb and other in the like post-libertarian Praxian crowd make. Um, I, I don't know what to call you guys. I don't know. But, well, right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but you guys make it, I think, about church and about government. I don't always agree with it when it's used about government, but I 100% agree with this when it applies to the church, which is like, you know, 90% of people aren't ideological. They're just followers. And so we don't need everybody to be like intellectually curious or well-read on religion. But what we do need is for the leaders of the churches um, uh, and the communities to be well read and 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 to understand this, this folks exactly back into my my particular <laughs> layer off with is that anyone can just start search nowadays and label themselves non-denominational i mean how many mega churches are that are non-denominational just rope in money and then say if you tithe you're going to get healed or do um what's it called um prosperity gospel i think it's what he yeah for it. prosperity like, gospel is the yeah. joel Osteen and What's the guy's name? Yeah. We tried to get a zip. He wanted a private zip from Tyler Perry because uh, regular people are demonic. Yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, I love, I love about. It's Kenneth something or other. Yeah. I, I, I don't see any reason why. Sad, but. I think the strongest Catholic argument you can make, other than, like, I guess the original one, which is sort of like just arguing from the Bible and Peter and uh, building my church upon this rock and all that. But, like, uh, another That's really strong favorite. argument is that, like, there's no reason that the label or the the, the the concept of Christianity shouldn't be treated as private property. Like and, and the idea that like you shouldn't just be able to like go around and be like like oh, I'm a Christian and I'm a Christian church. It's like like no like like that title <laughs> and like the Bible like like they're not yours. You can't just co-op them to to frame them to your own ends. You know what I mean? Like 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 those things belong to the church and to God. And you should only use them if you submit to the property owner. So, which doesn't mean that there won't be. Again, this is sort of like that idea we talked about earlier. Like, like you need to have some flexibility in the joints because, like, you can't be so rigid where you destroy chaos. You need to integrate chaos. So, there, there will be. There needs to be some flexibility, but it can't be hyper fracturing and just like 
you know, everyone is their own church. Because that basically means everyone, like, like that we, Protestantism is almost demonic. Like, it just goes back to the original sin and everybody is their own God. Just essentially what it turns into. <laughs> yeah, solo scriptura turned into solo scriptura. Uh, when it's just you and the Bible under the tree. I want to comment on a Jason's two-bit podcast here about it's all about accepting the suffering, not trying to cure transcend, transcend it. There's really like two major themes in like the Catholic Church that really the Catholics, all Catholics supposed to do is one, um, accept the fact that suffering exists and that reality is going to suck. And then two, submit yourself to truth and authority. Like even if you think that this is wrong, your job is to submit to the truth, submit to the authority. And so it's all about either submitting and accepting suffering or submitting to the truth. It's, like, well, it's like honor your you, spot on with that. Honor your father and mother. Doesn't mean your father and mother are always right, but but you submit to their authority and you trust that God is going to ultimately guide you in the right direction, even if there are missteps along the way. And that's the way we should have viewed the church is to be like, listen, like like I would almost be able to call myself a Catholic today if if it was like if being a Catholic was just the acceptance of like the broader claim that the Catholic Church is legitimate. But not necessarily the idea that, like, well, I need to agree with them on everything. Like, I wouldn't necessarily be able to agree with them on any, anything, on, on, on everything. But there's a difference between agreeing intellectually and a godly, humble submitting to their authority anyway. And I think that is, like, the, the thread that has to be needled, so to speak, um, where you don't necessarily need to turn your brain off and be like, well, you know, I'm not going to think for myself. I'm not going to, you know, look for corruption or error. But it's like, but I have to do those things within the submission to the higher authority. Otherwise, I'm subverting the higher authority. Well, and I think that kind of summarizes my critique of, as I've said, you know, several times, like the, the modern American church is, is it, it kind of defaults to this, um, you aren't allowed to critique anyone or anything. It all has to just be, it is what it is and whatever. And we go, go, uh, go, go back and read the early church fathers, man. They were, they were pretty brutal to each other. <laughs> they were very, very yeah. brutal to each other. They were very critical yeah. of each other. They, they called each other out on their bullshit. Like, and, and that's, yeah, the, that is the modern churches of, are, are all kind of looking out for, are they going to lose their 503 status? With oh them? yeah. Listen, yeah, the best one of my favorite Catholic stories is uh, St. Nicholas. Literally, when he was at a uh, ecumenical council, I think it was a council in Nicaea. One of the guys was like, You know, the Trinity's probably not real. And he just punched him right in the face and was like, Get out of here. <laughs> like, he just solved the problem right there by punching the guy in the face. And that's, that's the kind of council I believe in. And this is why next time when I finally meet Jacob in person, I'm just going to punch him in the face and say, Convert. And this is going to be over from there, Jacob. I'm sorry. I, I've warned you. It's going to happen. I think I think I've already converted and I'm just in denial about it. And it's also because like there's no I just like do I have to like if I'm a Catholic, do I have to like if there's no option but cringe leftist or cringe boomer Catholic churches around me, do I still have to go? Like you and the you and the Mises Caucus, man, it's called a takeover. You should be used to it by now. You know what? You know what? You've converted, you just haven't accepted my my best friend. Uh, in my county, who is a fellow Mises Caucus member, is Catholic. So maybe, maybe and we took over our county affiliate. Maybe the next thing is we need to take over a Catholic church. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you need to find yourself a good SPS, uh, SPSX St. Pius uh, in the tent, St. Pius tent community. You know, you gotta find good. Or at least, or business, or business team right, man. Tell me, business team right. That's, that's where know. it's at. When I when I, I talk to Andrew, 
when I talked to Andrew about this and we tried finding the closest based or decent Catholic church to me, it was like at least an hour drive, which at that <laughs> point it's is, just... is the Lord not worse an hour, Jacob. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> he's got you there. <laughs> yeah, he's got me. My church is 10 minutes from me and I still don't go. I mean, I can't, you can't, you can't blame me. <laughs> I could walk to it. I'm like, yeah. It's hot outside. I'm like, I like how how Caleb is like the 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 more consistent intellectual Catholic, but like I live a better Catholic lifestyle than Caleb because I have like (laughs) four kids and counting. (laughs) I'm just gonna go be a monk, you know. Most like what's what's like uh, Zeke Zeke Justin's book, uh, Mystery Series, Father Brown, right here, Father Brown. It'd be I mean I do it for the lows, you know. I would literally be Father Brown, the most popular fictional priest. I gotta do what I feel like, you know. You can so you. You can become a Catholic priest if you're already married with kids. You just can't get married and have kids after you become a priest, right? I think that only for if you are part of the Ang- Anglican Church or another church that then comes back into the fold. It's like there was an Anglican Church that happened when they were Anglicans that were already married. So were to come I go in. take over my local Episcopalian or Anglican church and then uh, resubmit them back to the I mean, Pope. You're not gay, so I don't think they'll accept you. <laughs> I'm just gonna shut Anglicans. I I can't stand Anglicans. Oh god. Well you and the founding fathers have something in common. <laughs> One of few things. They probably wouldn't like me either being Catholic. Um but the Anglicans. I mean that entire religion started because the the King Henry the Eighth wanted to get divorced and the church said no. I mean that was it's just so stupid. <laughs> I, that, 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 dude, the, one of the worst one of the that's worst the first step that, towards the devolvement of, yes. of Christianity. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say, like, one of the worst things that ever happened was allowing divorce. Like, like the worst thing. Like, like, like you need that wall because when you allow the family unit to come under such siege that, like, people can just opt oh, out. I'm doomed. I'm of... going through one right now. Oh, no. <laughs> Good luck. Listen, man, um, that's, what the, that's what the cross is for. Like, there's always grace, but... Um... We're here for you, man. I went through mine for years. It's uh, been... Seven years ago now. So yeah, I want to. I want to point out well, my, the thesis of my book I'm writing is that Luther's devaluing the marriage by making it no longer a sacrament was the was the first like domino in the destruction of the family we see today. And so I'm going to spell it out for you guys in the book I'm writing, but it's it's a uh, it take like two years. All right. So. Well, it's speaking of di- speaking of divorce, I probably need to hop off, or my wife might start considering one. Because I was about to say, it's, <laughs> I, think we, I think we've made a lot of our our arguments and and kind of uh, hashed it out. Let's. Uh, give some uh, closing statements and give your plugs, and we'll uh, we'll call it a wrap. I, I think we've pretty thoroughly covered a lot of the topics, especially the lot of a lot of the topics that I wanted to in terms of um, Jesus yeah. and and then the bastardization, the modern bastardization of Jesus and <coughs> and the Christian Church. I guess I guess I'll, I guess I'll, I guess I'll go first. Um, so uh, Jacob Daniel, my podcast is Daniel Three Biblical Anarchy. If you want to check it out. And you can follow me on Twitter at Biblical Anarchy. And the website is Daniel318.com. And uh, yeah, no, this was a fun conversation. I'm glad I got to deprive Caleb the joy of uh, debating me in an argument by preemptively cutting him off and uh, taking his position before I came here. And yeah, I think, uh, you know, it was really fun. Uh, Caleb, you need to set up a uh, like host on your show, uh, like, like me, you, and Andrew. You guys can just spend two hours trying to uh, proselytize me into the Catholic Church. I'm going to be an iCast. It's over for you then. <laughs> That's great. Um, 
I guess I go next. Uh, my plugs are Kayla Brown, Kayla Brown, uh, at Kayla Brown 549 on Twitter. Uh, Austriatomism, it's a website I, I run for Austrian economics and domestic philosophy. Um, the website is currently down, but the Twitter is still up, so go to Austriatomism on Twitter. Um, YouTube is still Paleotomism because I'm too lazy to fix it. We got a lot of great stuff coming out, a lot of great books, a lot of great podcasts. We're doing a live reading of Zach Maritan for Tree Reformers, so I, I highly recommend you all check that out. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right, my turn. I am Eric, the host of the Rebel With a Cause podcast. You can find it on any podcatcher, YouTube, uh, Rumble, Odyssey, all those places. Uh, I like to have fun on mine. Uh, we usually have like little uh, bullshit sessions that we'd uh, kind of weave in and out of topics and everything else. So if you want to find me on Twitter, that's uh, where I spend most of my time. It's uh, at RWAC podcast. You can see it right there on the screen. Uh, you can also find me on float.app at Rebel With a Cause uh, and mines as well. So no Facebook, no Instagram. They suck. <laughs> and for everybody watching the show live, I will actually be back tomorrow, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Central, uh, where I will be talking to uh, Brandon uh, Brandon Harnish. He is running for Wells County Council here in Indiana, which is up around the Terre Haute area. We're going to talk about, yeah, and, um, since I have discovered him over the last week or so, uh, he is an excellent follow. So go check him out on, go check him out on Twitter. It is, um, let me find it right quick at paleo GOP. He is, he is a really good dude. He's very sharp. Um, and, and we're going to talk about, uh, strategies for running for and taking over your local political affiliates and, and, and getting involved in local politics and actually having an impact there. So so check us out tomorrow night. That'll be at 7 Central, 8 Eastern. And for the rest of you who are uh, listening, this will come out tomorrow, Wednesday morning. For anybody who's listening, um, be sure to tune in every Monday and Wednesday whenever I drop these episodes. And uh, also check me out on the morning after, every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning, 7.30 Central, where I'm joined by Clyde of the South. Uh, Dag and Mark Metz, where we talk about a little bit of news and a whole lot of bullshit. And, and if you want really, and if you want really sick podcast intros that fucking slap, also hit hit uh, hit Justin up. Uh, <laughs> if anybody wants to hear more from uh, Brandon, he's having he's interview with. I had him on for a two part episode of my show. So you guys enjoy his podcast. He had definitely check him out on mine. And I also had Mark Metz on for a book club, and he's he's a great dude. It yeah, that's. I have been very fortunate to have gotten connected to like all of the best people to hang out with and talk to. So like, that's, that's what I love doing about this. I really appreciate everybody who's listening. Uh, be sure to tune in tomorrow night and I will catch you later. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.